1: Wednesday, December 6th, 2023, the 1050th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your Last week, about the great red versus blue state debate on Fox News, hosted by Sean Hannity, featuring Ron DeSantis and the governor of Communist California, Gavin Newsom. Sean Hannity moderated this great debate as the mainstream media offered up for the approval of the country two uniparty candidates. Will you choose the uniparty left in Ron DeSantis, aka Rig De Meatball, aka Booger Rob? Or do you prefer the hair-gelled czar of California? And we covered that quite extensively. I wouldn't want to be accused of being unfair to the duly elected president of the United States, Donald Trump. So we're going to have to spend a big chunk of today's episode on last night's Town Hall, hosted by Sean Hannity, starring the real president, Donald Trump, not two losers, one of whom can't finish second in his own debates or in his own fake primary, and the other one who's not even running at all. But before we get to that, let's take just a second and talk about someone who just might be running. Here is the headline from Reuters overnight. Liz Cheney weighs third-party U.S. presidential run says Trump threatens democracy. So there we have it. Liz Cheney comes out on her book tour. She talks about how Donald Trump is a dictator, right? As there is a mass media movement to call him a dictator. And we'll talk about some more of that later. She goes on all the Sunday shows to quote unquote, promote her book. But everybody knows what that means by now. The global regime and its propaganda media apparatus are now seeding the narrative, seeding the possibility of a Liz Cheney presidency in a third party run. And Liz Cheney herself is doing nothing to tamp down those rumors. Reuters writes in media interviews, Cheney said she was considering running for president next year as a third party conservative candidate or on a bipartisan ticket that would include both a Republican and a Democrat. She cited Trump as a threat to democracy and the United States. Isn't that sweet? Just the other day, she was talking about how she hopes Democrats win back the House in 2024 so that they can prevent Donald Trump from becoming president in quotes after he wins the election. They're going to prevent Donald Trump from becoming president. They're not going to certify his election. The woman who says that sort of thing is an insurrection now thinks it's a good thing. And apparently, though, she wants to give Democrats the power to do that. She thinks those same Democrats wouldn't do that to keep Liz Cheney out of office. And Liz Cheney's running as a conservative. But she knows that if she helps the Democrats win the House, they're not going to prevent her from taking office that is only a precaution for Donald Trump that's not a strategy to take away maga power in the house and liz cheney really just wants a democrat president and congress and senate or at least a democrat congress and senate with her the conservative as president with a democrat it's like they don't even bother hiding the uniparty anymore and hey people thought i sounded crazy through that whole Choosing a speaker process we just saw after Kevin McCarthy was removed, people thought it was nuts that I said maybe we would end up with Hakeem Jeffries or Liz Cheney, but you should consider the possibility because Kevin McCarthy just announced he's retiring from Congress in a month. At the end of December, Kevin McCarthy is retiring from Congress. So there is one more Republican gone. They just helped the Democrats get rid of George Santos last week. One more Republican is gone. They're trying to give away their Republican majority. If a couple members like New York's Mike Lawler decided to work publicly with Democrats rather than privately as they do now, they would simply Motion to vacate, remove Speaker Johnson, and help install a bipartisan candidate like Liz Cheney, or maybe they'll just give the whole thing to Hakeem Jeffries. And either way, all good. Things are going to play out next year as they play out. The Democrats, or perhaps Liz Cheney, are going to be overseeing the eventual collapse of the currency or the shutdown of the government or any combination of circumstances every possibility swirling around that necessary collapse as we move away from the regime's fiat currency currently branded as the American dollar now I've been pointing out for a very long time that they were lining Liz Cheney up to be a third-party presidential candidate so the announcement of this as far as I'm concerned is one of the least shocking things in the world But imagine yourself as a standard-issue uniparty left villager, an MSNBC and CNN viewer. They've heard many times over the years, especially throughout that whole J6 period, especially with the illegitimately formed committee out there performing their primetime television show. They've heard many times that Liz Cheney is the sort of person who could one day be president. She has the Trump hate everybody loves on the uniparty left, and she is a tool of the machine and the military-industrial complex on the uniparty right, a neocon through and through. I was even saying it after she got absolutely clobbered by Harriet Hageman in her primary in Wyoming, losing by nearly 40 points. This is a clip from this show last August 17th. That's 2022. So this is nearly 16 months ago. Her status will never be higher than it has been over these past few months. She had the entirety of the mainstream media pushing her into the spotlight and saying, hey, America, please take Liz. But the people are having none of it. Still, she thinks that she has a chance to be president in 2024. She's going to be the great white hope of the Republican Party. She's going to push the party back to normalcy. And seriousness and civility, you know, all those things that make them such effective Washington generals to the Harlem Globetrotters actually setting the pace of play in the Democrat Communist Party. They're all serving the same masters, though, so it's just fine. And from the perspective of the global communists, could there be a better choice than Liz Cheney? Dick Cheney is already a high ranking official in the global communist party. The American people actively detest Joe Biden and the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party's about to be destroyed. And if things keep going this way, there's absolutely no way anyone would believe the Democrats could win in 2024. So what could be better than having a perfectly controllable Republican in there? Someone who's going to be the centrist candidate that brings both sides together, a candidate who gives the country something to unite around. Liz Cheney could be just perfect at that. I mean, she's a woman, too. So you might even get some really, really stupid feminists. And yes, you can say that's redundant. And I would say you have a point. But in terms of the public narrative, I guess it still matters. Okay, so has anything relevant changed? Nope, not a damn thing. That was 16 months ago. And standard issue villagers are just thinking about this for the first time. Do you understand what I mean about the informational time machine? All of those people could have known exactly that 16 months ago as I did. And by the way, I'm not saying I was on the cutting edge. I'm not the only one who was observing that last year throughout last year. And I'm certainly not where that idea generated. So somebody knew about it months before, if not years before I did. But the point is, I'm just a guy out there working with whatever I can get my hands on. I was able to figure it out. Many of you were able to figure it out. But all of the standard issue villagers, all those child brains out there who are still stuck in an informational past, are just thinking about this whole thing right now. Think about all those fake centrists out there, those people who call themselves centrist. Well, Ron DeSantis, that didn't work. Nikki Haley, I mean, come on. They can't vote for Joe Biden again. Their social circles won't approve of them supporting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. So they need somebody. It can't be Trump. They need somebody. Oh, Liz Cheney. Well, that's an interesting idea. They honestly should just join the uniparty left and the uniparty right and simply call themselves the uniparty. Just run as the uniparty. I am the presidential candidate from the uniparty. Just say that, Liz Cheney. If you tell most of those standard issue villagers on the Uniparty right and left that the Uniparty stands for the party that unites the country, they'll believe you. So you might as well just own it. And hey, maybe that's your best shot if you really go all in on it and really try to own it really hard you could say that we are conspiracy theorists for thinking there's something wrong with it. Cause at that point you're so open and so public about it that people will think, Oh, it can't be that bad thing that the conspiracy theorists are describing. This must be one of those good unit parties because my biggest priority <laughs> is not having this cultural divisiveness that I'm told about constantly on television and, Never really see that much in real life. Trump, for his part, responded to Liz Cheney on Truth Social, saying, Crazy Liz Cheney, who may be responsible for destroying the evidence from the J6 Unselect Committee, making all cases past and present highly questionable at best, is suffering from a massive case of Trump derangement syndrome. She just lost her congressional seat by the largest margin ever and now is desperately looking for something else to do. Her unhinged statements are becoming a threat to democracy. DJT.
2: A little trolling is called. We do a little trolling.
1: So this is quite clearly Trump as dictator week. At the end of last week, we got the Robert Kagan editorial in the Washington Post. We went through a bit of that on Monday. We talked about Liz Cheney melting down, but the Trump as dictator theme is being played out all over the media. And this is the Atlantic's editor, Jeffrey Goldberg on Morning Joe hat tip to the war room. Thank goodness they grab these clips so that we don't have to watch MSNBC
4: covering different aspects of uh, Trump and Trumpism. And I wanted just to pull them all together in one uh, easy-to-read package. Uh, one one copy of the print magazine. Obviously, it's online right now at TheAtlantic.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I wanted uh, our writers to describe as best as they could what would happen in their areas of expertise should Trump become president again. And the theory, of course, is that the next Trump presidency will be... Worse. The, the, the 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 restraints will be off there won't be any quote-unquote adults in the room anymore um, McKay Coppins has a piece about who would take jobs and who would get new jobs in the next Trump administration as one example um, I have you know a multitude of pieces David Frum, on you know who's been very very early on uh, writing about the threat of autocracy writing about what this with this uh, would look like Tom Nichols many of the many of the Atlantic stars of the Morning Joe Cinematic Universe are, are are in this issue. Uh, Tom has written about um, what would happen to the military should Trump become president again. Caitlin Dickerson on immigration and, and on and on and on. I, what, I, what I wanted was a, a package, you know, a, a, an easy to understand package. Like, Look, this is what is going to happen. And it's not just pure speculation. It's, it's, as you point out, all you have to do is listen to Donald Trump and the people and the loyalists around Donald Trump. He's telling you what's going to happen. He's going to use the power of the Justice Department to persecute, not prosecute, but persecute his enemies. Um, we, we know what's going to happen to the civil service. We know what's going to happen on immigration. We know that that the, the, the generals that we count on to be apolitical when they run the military, we know that they're in danger and that they're going to be replaced by um, I think the technical term would be nut jobs um, this is all this is all apparent and so I wanted to put it in one place early and and with any luck you know at Christmas maybe people can read it and uh, bring it to their yeah. relatives who are on the fence and say look here's what's going to happen do you want this or do you not want this that's very simple and again let me just yeah. let me just say because this is really important this is not partisan Right. This is not about Republican ideas, conservative ideas versus liberal ideas or Democratic ideas. Um, This is about uh, this is about standing up for democracy. This is not about Republican ideology. This is about Trump's predisposition toward autocracy.
1: Now, they're not confidently making the case that they think other people will buy into. They're trying to just familiarize the public with the idea that Donald Trump is a dictator. So If they are able to actually do something about it, the standard issue villagers out there will at least think there's some chance that Trump really was a dictator, which will make them think, well, it's kind of just up in the air about whether or not Trump deserved that. And it already happened. There's nothing we can do about it. So it's best to just believe that Trump really was that bad. And then we can all move on. And hey, if they try to assassinate him or something, I mean... He was maybe going to be a dictator. Are you going to stand there and say it wouldn't have been a good idea to assassinate Hitler before he started doing anything? And immediately that same person goes from wondering whether or not Trump is even a dictator to basically being certain that Trump is Hitler and whatever's done to him was justified. Are we really going to pretend that real people don't think that? And once again, you have to love Jeffrey Goldberg, making sure that everybody knows this is not partisan. It's not about Democrat versus Republican. It's about saving everyone like us from everyone like them, and most especially Donald Trump. This goes beyond partisanship. We actually need to combine the two parties into one uniparty so that we can face this grave threat. And sure, we've heard that before. We get that they have that idea. But they also hold in their head at the same time the idea that it is bad to pursue political opponents. They hold in their head at the same time that Donald Trump is going to go to prison. They hold in their head at the same time that Donald Trump is very, very unpopular and could never be reelected. And despite all that, they think they can also believe that Donald Trump will be reelected and then will be an authoritarian tyrant and dictator this time around even though he wasn't last time around and as you might imagine the number of people who are susceptible to this argument is dwindling i would be shocked if it was 20% but it is entirely possible that 20% of the population is still that ignorant and i'm not saying that everybody else is on board with trump although he could be around that point by now. But whatever Trump's number is, there is still a big chunk of people who don't really care. They'll express either thing. They are not going to fight for these people on this side. They don't really buy any of it. They'll go along to get along, but they're not going to go out there pretending that Donald Trump is a dictator because you actually have to try really hard to believe something so ridiculous. What you're hearing is panic. They are sounding the alarms. They are calling for all hands on deck. They have assembled a diverse group of authors to give from their perspective the best case on why Trump's second presidency or third will be worse. And they're calling in all the big guns like David Frum and that clown Tom Nichols, and whoever Caitlin Dickerson is, and then they keep going. All the Atlantic writers are so smart. They're going to tell us how Trump is going to break our culture, or Trump is going to break our military, or Trump is going to break our education system, or Trump is going to break our healthcare system. We've heard it all. We've heard absolutely all of it. The National Review did this in 2016. I think it was called Against Trump. They got all their writers together Hey, each one of you guys show us on the doll where Trump hurt you. But the argument doesn't work. The arguments aren't convincing. They're not trying to convince anybody. They just want everyone to know that the idea is out there and that very serious intellectuals are supporting it. Donald Trump might be a dictator, according to very serious intellectuals. And standard-issue villagers run around saying, "Ooh, I read that very serious intellectuals think Donald Trump might be a dictator. Do you know about historical dictators? <laughs> You'll never believe what I read in the Atlantic. David Frum called everything crystal knocked again. Let me tell you about this thing I just found out happened in 1842. Oh." Yes, Commie, I cannot wait to hear about the history lesson you just discovered in this anti-Trump issue of The Atlantic. But let's get into this Trump town hall with Sean Hannity, and we'll be brought right back to the dictator issue in just a few minutes. But let's start here with Sean Hannity asking Donald Trump about the next election. And you can see if this sounds like the sort of thing an
3: authoritarian dictator might say. Joe Biden, I'm sure he mumbled the words as usual. He said, he said this, if Trump wasn't running, I'm not sure I'd be running. He said at a campaign event today. How do you, how do you react to that? Well, I think somebody gave him a
2: talking point. They thought that would sound good. You know, I just found out that Democrats are funding Nikki Haley's campaign. I hear that Democrats are contributing to Ron De or, Ron De Sanctimonious. to Ron De campaign. And then you hear the talking points. That's the only thing they're good at. Cheating on elections and great talking points. They say, we want to run against Trump. They want to run. Well, we did really well in 2016, and we did so much better in 2020. The person they don't want to run against is us. It's us, it's not me, it's us. Because it's a movement, the likes of which this country, Sean, has never seen before. No, we have never seen the likes of what we've all done together. This is me. Not me. It's everybody here and millions and millions. I think it's not 75 million people. I think it's 150 million people. It might be more than that. I mean, who doesn't want to see strong borders and a strong military and low taxes and low interest rates and go out
1: and buy a house? It's not me, it's us, because this is a movement the likes of which the country has never seen before. He says he believes it's far higher than 75 million. He suggests it could be as high as 150 million. Hey, maybe he knows something we don't. That is entirely possible. That sounds like an enormous number. More people than vote in a normal election, or so we're told. But it's really hard to even speculate at what a real number is, because we don't have a legitimate understanding of the census. We don't have a legitimate understanding of the voter registries. We don't have a legitimate understanding of how many votes are cast. So that's a number that's very hard to know without relying on other numbers that we also cannot substantiate. And still, basically all mainstream political analysis is based on interpreting numbers like these that cannot be substantiated. Trump says that Democrats are backing Nikki Haley and backing Ron DeSantis. There is some amount of truth to that. Certainly more accurately, it is the Uniparty backing both of them and the Uniparty doesn't care about Democrat or Republican. Joe Biden saying that he might not be running if Trump wasn't running as if Biden is the strongest and most powerful candidate to take on Donald Trump. They don't have any strong and powerful candidates. There's not some magical candidate for the Democrats who's going to come on out and impress the country so much that he's going to be able to dominate Donald Trump. Donald Trump won in 2020 and has gotten considerably more popular since then, and even more popular than that over this last year when the country sees what the other options are and how lacking they are, including the great Ron DeSantis. But the important thing is that it is a people's movement. Donald Trump says, it's not me, it's us. We are a movement. We will be president. That is what he says when we return to the White House. And he is responsive to the American people and especially to the people in the America First movement, because they are the ones who approach him and their understanding of him with respect, not only for Donald Trump, the man, but for the office of president The American people need to be vocal about what they want and need in their community, in their state, in their country. Otherwise, how does anybody know? Everybody just answers poll questions based on what they saw on TV. And then we're told through polling also delivered to us by the television that the country all thinks this or the country all thinks that. We're constantly having lifestyles advertised to us on television, and we participate. We consume TV and video games and movies, and they all enforce the same idea of ourselves. And somehow, in one way or another, we all end up having the idea that there is nothing we can do. Our voices don't matter. So we don't say anything at all. And we just let them do what they want. The TV tells us who to blame. The TV tells us who to punish. Everyone just goes along with it. No one says a word. People are starting to speak up and Donald Trump pays attention. Donald Trump listens. He goes out there and A-B tests ideas. He puts ideas out in front of the people and lets them approve of those ideas or reject those ideas. And bit by bit, he leads us down the path toward the best ideas, the most America first ideas, because there is so much about the government and how it operates that the American people quite clearly did not understand. And I count myself among those people. The argument that the regime is scared of any presidential candidate in quotes, other than Donald Trump is preposterous. The regime is supporting those other candidates And trying to take Donald Trump out of the picture in whatever way possible, again, including assassination, that is getting a lot of talk this week. All the dictator stuff as a justification, as a moral reason why it's okay. And I suspect we might see a story at some point about an attempted Trump assassination. And I think that story will probably have lots of similarities to that attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh after the release of the Dobbs decision. So following that answer, that's when Sean Hannity decides to introduce this Trump as dictator idea. He wants to ask Donald Trump right to his face, do you promise not to be a dictator.:
3: I played on purpose because I see what the media is doing now. I put a montage together. They yeah. want to call you a dictator. You use the words, "I am your retribution." And now before that, you said if you've been wronged and you used other words as well. but I want to be very, very clear on this. To be clear, do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected president, to abuse power? To break the law to use the government to go after people
2: you mean like they're using right now so in the history of our country what's happened to us again
1: has never happened before that is exactly the right answer an authoritarian tyrannical dictator you mean like the one who's installed right now sure joe biden is too old and too demented too incompetent and too corrupt to seem like he would be an effective authoritarian and tyrant. But Joe Biden is just a Trojan horse bringing in the full global regime along with their global communist agenda. Joe Biden was not legitimately elected, and he uses every lever of government power in order to pursue and shut down his political opposition, including and especially Donald Trump, but also Donald Trump's supporters. And he has been doing it throughout this. Fake presidential term. And it's not just Joe Biden. It's the entire federal bureaucracy. And part of the dictator claim that they're making about Donald Trump, every one of these, as I said on Twitter today, every one of these uniparty shills writing these hand wringing blogs, like we read from Robert Kagan, and certainly all those articles that are going to appear in that Atlantic magazine, they all mention or hint at the fact that Donald Trump is going to. Use Schedule F and recent court decisions as the basis to dismantle the unelected, corrupt, permanent, deep state federal bureaucracy. He's going to clear all those people out and replace them. And once Donald Trump's term as president is over, whoever comes in next can fire all those people and replace them. But that's not good enough for them. They're not going to make it that far. That's why they have to claim that Donald Trump is acting as a dictator when he does this instead of just as a president who has every right to have the executive branch filled with people who are not attempting to subvert him all the time. And that is actually what has these people so upset. And in their anger at this possibility is the admission that all of these Unelected, entrenched, permanent, deep state federal bureaucrats spent Donald Trump's first term subverting him, just as he claims. And he claims he's going to come back and remove them. We're being told by Ron DeSantis supporters that Trump isn't actually going to drain the swamp, but everybody in the swamp thinks he is. That's what they're panicking about in all of these pieces. Because without the federal bureaucracy, these Permanent employees, these people who go in to implement the global agenda, no matter who is the president, and who stay for a career of 30 years or 40 years serving under four presidents, serving under five presidents. How many times have we heard those things? That's who these people are. Without those people in place under Donald Trump, there's no one to subvert Trump, and there's no one to continue implementing that global agenda. Even while Trump is there and trying to stop it, this next term with Donald Trump as president is not Donald Trump trying to thwart these people and hold back what they're trying to do and push back against them. It's Donald Trump removing them completely so they can no longer push any of this stuff forward. It doesn't matter who's president if there are thousands and thousands of people across the whole federal government at all the different agencies who can implement policy without his approval or in direct contradiction to what his agenda is. It should be rather stunning to everybody that we as a society have come to accept the idea that these permanent federal bureaucrats can simply subvert a president. We were told by the media throughout Trump's term that it was actually a good thing. They were keeping Trump from acting on his worst impulses, and they were treated as heroes by the media instead of the traitors that they are. And consider the part of Donald Trump's term where he said, I am a wartime president. What does it mean to be a government employee trying to subvert the will of the duly elected president during a time of war? What would you call a person like that? And what would you think should be done with a person like that? Donald Trump is simply saying he's going to remove them from their jobs. That's not a dictator. That's a really nice guy. Any of those people who actually violated the law in the course of doing this should absolutely be prosecuted and held accountable to the fullest extent of the law. And if that rises to the level of treason, so be it. That's not persecution, as Jeffrey Goldberg says. That is what is supposed to happen if we are going to be a society that respects the rule of law. How are we going to have a country if no one cares that unelected bureaucrats are subverting the will of the president? The situation that all of these panicking shills claiming that Trump will be a dictator are fretting about in the future are situations that are already happening now, but it's being done by their side. And these people have no principles. They're right along with Henry Kissinger and RealPolitik. Whatever works, they're just fine with no ideology, no principles. It doesn't matter that they're doing everything right now that they're saying Trump will do in the future. That would make him a dictator. It's just Trump. Who's not allowed to do those things. They are allowed to do those things because they are doing all those things to protect our democracy, which is their system, the advance of their global order. And they can do anything they want to protect that. They're not dictators when they do it. They're the saviors of our democracy. But Trump spun that question back on Hannity too quickly by saying, you mean everything they're already doing right now? and then going on to talk about the ridiculous indictments for made-up crimes, all just another attempt to keep him out of office? That didn't get Sean Hannity the soundbite he wanted. He is trying to put words in Donald Trump's mouth, and Trump will never fall for that, thank goodness. But Hannity is trying to create headline moments throughout this town hall. He is asking the President of the United States— you promise he won't abuse the authority of his office as a dictator. That is incredibly disrespectful. Steve Bannon went off on this this morning on War Room. It's a great rant, as always. He's just the greatest, but he's right. It's so disrespectful to just take on the enemy talking points and try to score a big television moment by even making Trump address this. But hey, it's the perfect opportunity to make the entire media absolutely meltdown. So here Hannity is, asking the question again five minutes later.
3: I want to go back to, to this one issue, though, because the media has been focused on this and attacking you yeah. under no circumstances. You are promising America tonight. You would never abuse power as retribution against anybody.
2: Except for day one. Yeah. Except Look,
3: for? What? He's going crazy.
2: Except for day one. Meaning? I want to close the border, and I want to drill, that's drill. Not a, that's, drill. that's not oh, no. That's not retribution.
3: I got I'm going to be,
2: I'm going to be, you know, he keeps, <laughs> we love this guy. He says, you're not going to be a dictator, are you? I said, no, 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 other than day one. We're closing the border, and we're drilling, drilling, drilling. After
1: that, I'm not a dictator. So that, okay? that, that sounds to me like you're going back to the policies when you were president. <laughs> All right. So just day one. He's going to be a dictator on day one, but that's it. And the rest of the term, just a normal American president. Now, it would be absolutely amazing if the Trump administration immediately announced the indictments of hundreds of thousands of people on day one. We can all dream. But I think Trump was just making a joke out of such ridiculous claims, which, again, is a great way to respond to that sort of thing. How would a normie politician? act. How would Nikki Haley act or Ron DeSantis? I will tell the American people right now that I will not be a dictator. I promise all of you, I will not be a dictator. And then once they have created that soundbite for the media for four years, the media will bring out that soundbite on everything they want to call dictatorial, and they will play That clip of the politician saying they're not going to be a dictator while they're like, oh, really? You said to the American people you were not going to be a dictator, but just look. Look what you've done. Will you finally admit that you planned to be a dictator the whole time? That is the sort of thing you can be guaranteed to find yourself dealing with if you are the sort of person who answers those questions that way. You do not start out by accepting the opposition's framing if the framing is inaccurate. Normie politicians are more scared of people on the internet who will take that answer and be like, this politician didn't even say that they would refuse to be a dictator. That means they're gonna than they are of making themselves look subservient to some ridiculous media buffoon answering a question that has been framed to produce an answer that will look bad no matter what. Donald Trump saying only on day one does not give them the response that they want to run in the morning. And he follows it up with closing the border and drill, drill, drill. So now All of these media outlets who wanted to run their Trump is a dictator story. Sean Hannity asked Trump about whether or not he'd be a dictator and this is how he reacted. And it's just Trump making fun of them and saying he's going to close the border and drill, drill, drill. Now that is what's being broadcast all over the Internet today and on the cable news rather than Trump being like, no, Sean, no, I don't know why they're saying these mean things about me, but I don't plan to be a dictator at all. And then you've got everyone on the internet and everyone on cable news doing long ranting segments, having insane guests saying Trump lied to us again. He said he's not going to be a dictator, but just look how many ways he's been a dictator before. And he will be again. And naturally, no one in their audience can think for themselves at all. So no one in their audience will realize that the fake president, Joe Biden, is already doing all of those things that they're accusing a future Trump of maybe doing. So the dictator comments were the big headline grabbers. But there are a few other moments from the town hall that I think are worth sharing
2: are the biggest problem we have and we have a man that can't put two sentences together we have a man that doesn't know he's alive and he's backed up by the media the biggest problem we have the media the media's fake i came up with a term a long time ago and they won't talk about it let me ask you this if i did some of the things that he did they'd reinstitute the death penalty
1: and he's right about that obviously Because you can see the political persecution that Donald Trump has endured to this point. And it's not just the indictments. It's the damage to his reputation, to his businesses. It's the fake scandals and the hoax impeachments. It's the censorship and the censorship of his supporters and the persecution of his supporters. If Donald Trump was doing any of that, the people now calling him a dictator would be calling for the death penalty for Donald Trump because he is a dictator of that variety. Now, it turns out that Donald Trump has actually reinstated the death penalty, and I did an entire episode on that, I think back in February, called it like Trump's killing spree or something. But there's an interesting little implication to draw from what Trump just said right there. He's essentially saying that those things Joe Biden did would be worthy of the death penalty if Donald Trump had been the one doing them and they would be pursuing that. From that perspective, they're basically setting the standard for themselves under which they will eventually be prosecuted and held accountable. Because, again, they're the ones who have done all of these things. They are recommending a solution for the American people. They're just saying that solution should be applied to Donald Trump. But more and more, the country realizes every day it's not Donald Trump who actually did any of those things, much less all of them. It's the people who are pursuing Donald Trump and pursuing his supporters. And of course, the media are in on it, too. And they will have to be held accountable ultimately. And the regime and regime media are beginning to freak out about that as well. Yesterday, they ran this headline in The Hill. Bannon, Patel, say Trump dead serious about revenge on media. We are going to come after you. Steve Bannon and Kash Patel claimed that former President Trump is, quote, dead serious, end quote about exacting revenge on his political enemies if he wins a second term as president. And they warned members of the media to take the threat seriously, saying Tuesday, we're going to come after you. In an episode of Bannon's War Room podcast, Bannon and Patel, two of Trump's close allies, pledged to prosecute members of the media who lied about the 2020 presidential election results, falsely suggesting Trump truly won. Well, good luck, The Hill. Trump did truly win. And now you, Sarah Fortinsky, are one of these media members who is lying about the 2020 presidential election. We will go out and find the conspirators, not just in government, but in the media, Patel told Bannon. Yes, we're going to come after the people in the media who lied about American citizens, who helped Joe Biden rig presidential elections. We're going to come after you, whether it's criminally or civilly. We'll figure that out. But yeah, we're putting you all on notice. And Steve, this is why they hate us. This is why we're tyrannical. This is why we're dictators, Patel said, suggesting those were terms used sometimes to describe them. And of course they are. Because we're going to actually use the Constitution to prosecute them for crimes they said we have always been guilty of, but never have. Bannon went after Morning Joe saying, and I want the Morning Joe producers that watch us and all the producers that watch us. This is not just rhetoric. We're absolutely dead serious. You cannot have a constitutional republic and allow what these deep staters have done to the country. The deep state, the administrative state, the fourth branch of government never mentioned in the Constitution is going to be taken apart brick by brick. And the people that did these evil deeds will be held accountable and prosecuted criminal prosecutions. And honestly, I don't know what else these people would expect. They have participated in the usurpation of the United States of America by an international criminal cartel. They think everybody's just going to forget about that. Because they thought it was no big deal. Oh, you know, sometimes one president wins and sometimes another president wins. Donald Trump is so bad. Let's just move on. Why are you focused on the past? Let's just move on. Okay. You all can say that, but it doesn't mean anybody's actually going to listen and move on. They've been saying that for over three years now. Move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. And then they stage the insurrection and then they mandate vaccines. And then there's the Afghanistan debacle. And then there's the ridiculous wars in Ukraine and Israel and the illegal immigration, the slave trade at the southern border, the inflation, all of it. Just move on. Just move on. I don't think anyone's just going to move on. And hey, media people, remember, while you're thinking about, huh, did I participate in the cover up of the stolen elections of 2020 and other stolen elections? Yes, I did. Oh, think about this. You also participated in the whole COVID hoax. You think people are just going to move on from that? They're not. A couple minutes later, Hannity asks Trump about Joe Biden's prospects and whether Trump believes Biden will actually be the Democrat nominee.
3: Let me ask you, when prominent Democratic voices like Maureen Dowd and And David Axelrod and Van Jones and others are so critical of Joe Biden. And, of course, he is struggling cognitively. I can't think of, in the last couple of months, any appearance that he has had where he wasn't either mumbling or bumbling or stumbling or having no clue where to go, where to exit. Now, my question is, do you think in 11 months he will be their candidate?
2: I personally don't think he makes it. Okay, I haven't said that. I'm saving it for this big town hall. I'd never really I personally don't think he might. I think he's in bad shape physically. Do you remember when he said, I'd like to take him behind the barn? If he took me behind the barn and I went like this, (laughs) I believe he'd fall over. I believe he'd fall over. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But but it was okay, and by the way, it was okay for him to say that, he hard would like to take him behind that. He could say that, and everyone thought it was so cute. If I ever said it, they'd say, he's a dictator, he's a horrible human being. You know, it's a whole double standard we have, and not only in the law, but just about everything else, as you know very well. Um, I personally don't think he makes it physically. I watched him at the beach. He wasn't able to lift a beach chair, which is meant for children to lift. You can lift it <laughs> like that. Uh, And mentally, I would say he's possibly equally as bad and maybe worse. But I don't know. I will say this. He's got vicious people surrounding him around that beautiful Oval Office. There are people in that Oval Office that are evil people, bad people, smart people, young, vicious. They're
3: communists and they're bad. Who who do you think would replace them then?
2: uh, Well, I saw one person on who I actually had a very good relationship with, but I'm sure that it would end very quickly. I saw him in your debate the other night, and he's slick, but he's got no facts. You know, he's got no facts. Uh, I thought he did well, considering... You're talking about Gavin Newsom. Yeah, considering that he didn't have the facts, I thought he did well. You know, he said, (laughs) we have the lowest taxes in the country. We have the cleanest streets in the country. And I'm saying, wait a minute, is he talking about the same place? (laughs) So he'd certainly be one. I guess they say that Kamala would be uh, the one, the odds to be. Because they say if they didn't give it to her, the African-American vote, the black vote would not go to them. And we just had a poll where I'm at 22 and 25 percent with the black vote. If we have that, we can call the election
0: over.
1: Now, what Trump did there is pretty funny. He says he doesn't think that Joe Biden's going to make it, which reasserts and reaffirms. The idea that Joe Biden is just too weak, he's losing it mentally, not that it was ever there to begin with. He's just not up to the task. And then he goes through a list of possible replacements so that he can try out various messages, see what connects, see how the people respond to each one of those names mentioned. He mentions Gavin Newsom, not even by name, talks about how he did a great job at the debate last week, didn't have the facts didn't win the debate on the facts, but it doesn't matter because that's not the game in a televised debate. If we were just going to compare the facts, we wouldn't need the debate. Trump says he doesn't think Biden will make it. I kind of think, just my opinion, that Biden will make it and Trump knows that. And he's just keeping Joe Biden weak, keeping the idea out there that Biden must be replaced so that when Biden is not replaced... People will be shocked that the Democrats would allow a candidate that week to be their candidate and they will push him over the edge in a primary that is either rigged or uncontested. And that will be that from a regime perspective. I don't think they would be floating the idea of a Liz Cheney third party run or any of these other potential third party candidates if they thought that Joe Biden was actually going to be removed and replaced on that ticket because it would be automatically easier for them to support whoever that Democrat candidate is, whether it's Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris. It is much easier to create a narrative where one of those people might have a chance of quote unquote winning in a rigged election, which only means they can sell the result to the country. You would think they would have an easier time doing that with a fresh new Democrat face in the other major party rather than starting some third party at the last minute and throwing Liz Cheney out there, a woman who got blown out as an incumbent in her own congressional primary and a woman who is the daughter of war criminal Dick Cheney. There might be some real dumb people on the uniparty left who will look past that and just focus on her hatred for Donald Trump, which mirrors their own. But Liz Cheney is not going to be a popular person in the Democrat party overall. It sure does seem like they're doing a lot to get rid of a man who is so unpopular and is also going to be in prison. At what point will people realize that it is absolutely obvious that Donald Trump won in 2020? You don't need high level inside information. You don't even need to have tracked the election fraud issue at all. That's how obvious it is at this point. And I just want to share one more clip from the town hall. This is actually a little over four minutes long, but I really think it's worth it because this isn't the sort of thing you'll hear from any politician other than Donald Trump. And it's certainly not the sort of thing that could ever be laid out by Ron DeSantis or Gavin Newsom. They don't have enough command of what's going on. They're not able to think on their feet and react. They just recite canned scripted lines. And as I mentioned last week, they don't have access to an entire world of truth because all of that stuff exists outside of the restriction of the central narrative, that little uniparty bubble they exist in. They can't talk about other things. Trump is going to discuss an extraordinarily important truth about the real world, the resources we have in this country. All by themselves can produce enough money to make us a wealthy and powerful nation, but for whatever reason we 've been restricted from doing that by ourselves. We have a thing in Alaska called ANwar. Ronald Reagan tried to get it approved. everybody
2: should push maybe a little bit you know he didn't work as hard but we have we have Anwar in Alaska the biggest anywhere in the world, including probably Saudi Arabia. I got it approved, I was so proud of it. They ended it in the first week. They ended it, they turned, we'll get it back. But we have more than anybody, we have more wealth than anybody, but we don't use it. And then guys like DeSantis and guys like, many of the Democrats, but guys like DeSantis and to a lesser extent, Nikki Haley, they wanna play around with your social security. You don't have to touch social security, we have money laying in the ground far greater than anything we can do by hurting senior citizens with their social security. Ron DeSantis wanted to bring up on social security, now of course he says, well I wouldn't, but you know, one thing I learned about politicians, I've known them, I've dealt with them on the other side for a long time, their first thought is always the thought that they go to. He wanted to raise the minimum age, the age on social security to 70, that's a big increase but he also wanted to raise it to 75. If that happened, people would be devastated. We have such incredible wealth under our feet that that takes care of everything. It will take care. You know, if you go to Saudi Arabia and they bought many Boeings, many planes, and I said to them, do you use financing for that? They didn't even know what the word meant. They have so much money. They have a fund, $21 trillion. It's all for oil. And we have more oil and gas than they do. Our country can be rich again. John Kerry has to be stopped. He's destroying our country. This guy. I mean, think of it. He goes all over the world in a private jet, by the way. He goes all over the world talking to these people about getting rid of coal plants. They all laugh at him. They, you know, treat him with respect. He's gone. They say, what an idiot. What a jerk. And then they go ahead and they build their coal plants. He goes to China about... uh, let's say uh, the atmosphere. He talks about global warming. He talks about all, you know, they don't call it global warming so much. Now they call it climate change because it wasn't working. Global warming wasn't working when it was cooling. So now they call it climate change. That takes care of everything. I am an environmentalist, but we're going to destroy our country with this Green New Deal stuff that doesn't work. Just to finish, we have so much wealth and power under our feet. No other country has it. China doesn't have it, why are we going to electric? They do have what you need to do the batteries, but they don't have what you need to do the gasoline. We have, and it's what, it's what people want to drive right now. And there's a little story about it, but you're gonna see it a lot, I guarantee you. They have so many electric vehicles, nobody wants to buy them. They're expensive, although you'll probably get them oh, By the way, now. Three, nobody
3: wants to buy them. 3,000 dealers around the country wrote Biden and said, please stop making us sell something they don't want. Ford lost $4.5 billion. Let me ask you this. You know, the government is subsidizing that. A lot, they're so paying a lot.
2: Saying every time you make a car, we give you thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and the people don't want them. And you know, I'm not knocking electric cars. We should sell electric, but we should also sell uh, combustion engine gasoline cars. We can sell hybrids, the hybrids are fine. We should be able to buy everything. Some people might like an electric car. We should be able to buy an electric car. But to say that we're not going to do, and this is our strength because we have this stuff under the ground and we have people going around really destroying our country. They're destroying our country at the border. They've, they will allow, in my opinion, because you don't hear the real numbers, 15 million people into our country by the time Biden gets out, which hopefully will be very soon. If they get another term, this country is finished. By the time he gets out, and the people are coming from prisons all over the world, they're coming from mental institutions all over the world, and they're terrorists. And this country is gonna be suffering a very big price. It's amazing that it hasn't happened. And interestingly, I had very strong borders, the strongest ever. We had the strongest border in history. All they had to do is leave. Leave Brandon Judd and leave Tom Homan and leave all these guys. Let we me had put this up on the screen. Borders. Yeah, we had the strongest orders. Let, borders me, in let history. me put
1: this on the screen. Go ahead. Why aren't the American people ever informed about all those issues? Why is no one ever told, hey, we actually have more wealth under the ground, under American ground that can be extracted and exploited for the benefit of American power? Why aren't we ever told that by the media? Why aren't we ever told that by our politicians, including Republican politicians? If you want America to be energy dominant, that's your guy. If you want America to be wealthy and powerful, that's your guy. Once America is wealthy and powerful, the opportunities for normal people expand exponentially. If you want that, that's your guy. Because the guy on the other side The agenda that that guy, not that he's a real president, is pursuing is the global regime's agenda. The agenda that ends with, you will own nothing and you will be happy. That is not an agenda of prosperity. That is an agenda of poverty. That is the agenda for a future America that has been subsumed into the global community. Now, I just want to hit one more thing before we wrap it up for the day. We were talking about the media and how members of the media who were involved in the subversion of America, in the subversion of the duly elected president, those members of the media who supported the coup, who helped cover up the usurpation of the country in our stolen elections, those who helped sell the covid hoax and various other regime hoaxes, all of which we are told surely spelled doom And the end of our country as we know it? Well, one of the absolute worst media outlets, Jeff Bezos' Washington Post, is having a labor issue. The Washington Post Guild account on X, formerly Twitter, posted today, Workers at Washington Post have been in contract negotiations with our bosses for 18 months, but the company is refusing to pay us what we are worth or bargain in good faith. So on December 7th, we are walking off the job for 24 hours. And attached to those comments, they have a video that is essentially a diverse group of total dorks who work at Washington Post doing the Washington Post political nerd equivalent of celebrities singing Imagine or celebrities telling you that they take responsibility for racism in the wake of George Floyd's death from a fentanyl overdose that everybody pretended was murder by a police officer. Here's that video.
2: I have risked my life
4: on the front lines of war. I've covered an insurrection, a global pandemic, historic racial justice protests, climate change, and gun violence in America.
0: I work hard to make sure you know exactly what's going on in our D.C. community. To hold powerful institutions to account. And to bring you the latest visuals from around the globe. And I'm worth a fair and transparent pay process. I'm worth a living wage. I'm worth raises that keep up with inflation. I'm worth equal pay to my colleagues, regardless. Of my race or gender.
2: I'm worth job protections that value my years of service.
0: We've been in contract negotiations for 18 months. And our bosses have refused to bargain in good faith. They have failed to offer us a fair deal that keeps pace with the economy and our competitors. So on Thursday, I'm walking off the job. I am walking off the job.
1: For 24
4: hours. With the hundreds, hundreds of, of my Washington, Washington Post, Post colleagues. Because we're worth more. Worth more. Worth
0: more. Worth more than what the company is offering.
4: If you love Washington Post journalism and the people who make it,
0: you can support us by sending a letter to our publisher through
4: the link in our caption or our bio and respecting our picket line by avoiding washington post journalism during our 24-hour walkout thank you thank you thank you for standing with washington post employees
1: so basically you just heard from a bunch of people who look like they are antifa in their daytime clothes telling you that they are worth being paid up to the standards that they think they deserve Except almost everybody hates the organization they work for and no longer want to consume that product. Now, they're asking everybody not to consume that product tomorrow. So I guess maybe we all need to make an exception and read as many Washington Post articles as possible, or at least click on them so that they open up. Now, as you imagine, they have been ratioed to the moon on this, like three to one, the wrong direction. People are commenting and letting the Washington Post Guild know that no one in the public actually supports their position. The world would be a better place if none of these people ever bothered to try to tell us what was happening in the world or how to feel about it ever again. It is shocking that at this point there are still people in this country who determine what they should think based on what they are told by these people. In my mind that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at i'myourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com, and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree, linktree.com/slash I'm your moderator, and I'll see you soon out on the range.